Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Notre Dame football Saturday continues with WSBT Game Day. Here's your host, Evan Sharpley. We're back. This is the Game Day show. The Fighting Irish survived last week, wrapping up the home schedule with a 24-17 victory over Navy. The number 8th ranked Irish kickoff tonight at 8 p.m. And I'm Evan Sharpley for the next hour. I'm your host and tour guide as we prep for kickoff. And if this is your first time tuning in, the show is about setting the atmosphere, giving you a feel for the Game Day experience, talking with former Irish players, and discussing X's and O's. We are live from the WSBT studios in Mishawaka, Indiana, and riding shotgun with me is my producer, State Farm Agent Tim Growl. Tim, happy Thanksgiving. You still eating the leftovers? You know what? I, I am. I have it for breakfast and for pretty much lunch and pretty much for dinner. Man. <laughs> I might have a pizza tonight. I <laughs> wonder how that'll be with turkey and dressing on that and stuff. Oh, you're going to put turkey on I the pizza? I don't know. I don't know about that, you know? D- listen, I... I, I got I to come over and see you, man. Stu- I got to lose some weight. A stuffing <laughs> pizza, I think, would be pretty solid right there. Yeah. I, I, I heard that's kind of your favorite. That's your stuffing, downfall, that's, right? Yeah, that's my stuff. Right, right. Hey, last, last week's time. game or whatever... You know, as we always tell the audience, we text back and forth. I do most of the text, and you do my the answering. <laughs> I try to settle you down. You do because I, I after that the the first uh, part of the game where Brandon even tried to shot put a pass over to somebody couldn't make it. I text you, and you were calm because you weren't watching the game. <laughs> well, I've got a six-month-old daughter now, so my priorities are a little bit different. So if if, if it does work into my schedule, sorry, if it works into Lucy's schedule for me to watch the game, then I'll watch the game. There you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, uh, playing Stanford this week, you were on a number of teams that uh, played Stanford out there. Of course, the 2007 was the last time we won out there. Right, I was part what's, of that team. What's your thoughts about playing uh, out there at Palo Alto? I don't know. It's beautiful. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> just haven't had more a beautiful of, when yeah. you win. Well, oh, well, of course. It just you know haven't had a lot of great success out on, on the West Coast. They're playing against Stanford, and um, you know you 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 know what you're going to get when you're playing them. It's it's usually a tough nose, you know, physical matchup. The points um, historically over the past decade have, have been fairly low, um, low scoring. There's been a few games where it's gone a little bit higher, um, but overall, you know, both teams are are looking to try to control the football, control the line of scrimmage. Uh, you have you know two uh, highly academic styled schools. Uh, they recruit right. simil- similar players. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, th- those lines are crossed a little bit as far as the national scene with recruiting goes. Um, they, they recruit similar players. So you're getting, you know, you're getting very, uh, both programs are very um, similar in terms of kind of what they stand for, their philosophy um, and, and that aspect of it. So, you know, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight. You know, Bryce Love's going to be playing. He is playing. Yeah, that's, that was a big factor, right. at least in my decision on how this game was going to play out. Um, I, I still like Notre Dame. Uh, you know, I hope both teams, and I, I've said this over the course of the last four or five weeks, 
I want to see a good football game. Absolutely. Um, granted, if Lucy, well, Lucy should be in bed, so <laughs> I should be able to watch this football game. Although, you're gonna have you're gonna have a little uh, what, conflict yeah, tonight. The Penn Kingsmen are playing tonight, so Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have team. a couple of TVs going on to make sure that I'm able to watch those guys too. So you know, I'm hoping for a really good football game. Um, you know, it's it's one of those to finish off the season like this on on the road. Um, you know, for Notre Dame potentially to be able to go to double digit wins, I think you know it's 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 a great opportunity. I think that's all we want to see. Is we want to see a good game. We want to see some balance attack. We want to finish on a high note and get into a New Year's Six game, right? Would be a nice way to finish the season, wouldn't it? Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Just take that taste out of last year out. You talked about how Stanford and Notre Dame are similar and who they go after and stuff. Why don't you introduce no, the first guest? we got the director guest. of recruiting for 24-7 Sports, Steve Wilfong. Steve, how are you? Evan, how are you? Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Hey, happy Thanksgiving to you, too. Let, let's talk a little recruiting. We'll talk a little bit about this season, too, and then we'll get your take on a uh, uh, local kid, Paul Moala, who's a Notre Dame commit as well. But first off, you were able to see Notre Dame preseason. You saw them uh, a little bit in the fall uh, leading up to what, what indication, uh, at least in your mind, uh, led to you thinking that they would have the type of success or type of turnaround that they had this year? Well, I didn't know if they would, but obviously coming into the season, you talk about Notre Dame coming off 4-8. and eight, Brian Kelly overhauls his coaching staff, makes the best off-season assistant coach hire in the country, in my opinion, and bringing in Mike Elko from Wake Forest. Coach Elko brings linebackers coach Clark Lee with him. Uh, they've overhauled the strength and conditioning staff. Out is Coach Longo in our two bright minds there. Uh, and and uh, I think it's really changed the, the culture of the program. We've always thought Notre Dame was a talented football team. I think under the previous regime, uh, the defense uh, had had talent, but just uh, the, the system in place wasn't one that was conducive to, to those young men being able to translate it on the field. So they struggled. Um, and, but, and then on offense, he had a bunch of NFL offensive linemen that weren't playing with the physicality consistently that you'd like to see. So I think the strength, strength and conditioning program has made an impact with them. Also, obviously, Notre Dame was a very young football team last year, so you knew they would be a veteran football team this year with so many, so many players returning from the two deep. Uh, we ranked a lot of these guys high as, as prospects. So uh, when, you, when you boil it down like that, it's no surprise that Notre Dame's got a shot to win 10 games. And that should be the expectation uh, in year eight for Brian Kelly, uh, he should be winning at least 10 ball games more often than that. And uh, Notre Dame has a chance to, to win 10 uh, with two more tries at it. And, and then it's time to also start winning major bowl games, New Year's Six games. And, and uh, getting in the playoff, Notre Dame hasn't won a major bowl game since 1994. So uh, Notre Dame, they appear to be turning the corner. They should have a pretty good football team next year. Uh, and tonight should be an exciting one. We're talking with Steve Wilt, I'm Director of Recruiting from 24-7. Sports, Steve. I'm interested to get your take um, on on really the buzz uh, on the recruiting trail right now. You mentioned all of the changes uh, early in January. Um, you know, following a four and eight season. What what was the, first off? What was the feel um, on the recruiting side within the recruits? And then how has that changed throughout the fall once Notre Dame started to have some success? Well, Notre Dame's had pretty much a top ten class from wire to wire. Uh, they sit at number seven in the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings right now with 19 commits. A lot of these guys were committed before the season, so they bought into the staff changes and, and uh, bought into Notre Dame quickly getting back on track. And had the Irish not played so well, maybe they wouldn't have kept uh, these guys in the fold, but they have played well, and they've been in the in the college playoff discussion all season, and now they're in the New York Six discussion. Uh, and so... 
I think that right now Notre Dame is regarded quite highly on the recruiting trail, and they're still in on a lot of blue chippers, blue chippers as they try and finish this thing up. In, in this next class, if you could just highlight a couple of maybe your favorite players and some names for Irish fans to watch here in the future. Well, I think that it starts with the quarterback commit, Phil Jakovic, out of uh, Gibsonia Pine Ridge in the Pittsburgh area. And uh, uh, he's completing 76% of his passes as a senior, Evan. A fantastic um, athlete, also a a really good basketball player that tends to guard the other team's best opponent. So he's a tough kid. He can beat you with the beat you with the with the legs, and um, you know there were some questions about how polished a passer he he was back in the off season. But when you're completing close to eighty percent of your passes, I don't care who you're playing against, you're seeing the field well, and you're a great decision maker, and and you're really able to slow things down. On the defensive side, I think Notre Dame's bringing in a really good defensive line class. Jason Adam Alola uh, leading the charge there. Jemayan Franklin is another tough physical interior defensive lineman. Uh, Shane Simon, Derek. Allen. Uh, those are some safety linebacker hybrid types uh, that are also uh, guys that I think are difference makers in this Notre Dame class. Tim Grella and Evan Sharpley from the WSD, WSBT studios on game day with crudine expert Steve Wilfong. You can Google him at Steve Wilfong Crystal Ball Predictions to see a breakdown of just about all the recruits out there and what school they should be going to. Steve, with, with the number of coaching changes going on, are there opportunities out there or do you see any decommits? I know um, the young man, the linebacker, Peyton Wilson, just decommitted out there as a possibility for Notre Dame. Do you see anything else happening with coach changes? It's tough to just predict it until it happens, but Peyton Wilson's a young man that Notre Dame, uh, there's a lot of optimism that Notre Dame's in that top two for him. Now, he's back at NC State today, so uh, I, I will believe that Notre Dame is running even with NC State if he leaves NC State today uncommitted. Um, I think then uh, you, you got a ball game. But did he go back to NC State today to commit? He's been there three times this fall. But he had a great visit at Notre Dame and really fit in with the guys. Steve, let's talk local. Paul Moala here, um, Penn's playing in the state championship game today. I know you were able to see uh, the Kingsman, I believe, a week ago against Carmel. Um, give us a little breakdown on him and uh, what you saw from the Kingsman last week. Well, Paul Moala and the Kingsman are playing against a football team today that many think uh, may be the one of the best high school football teams in, in recent history here in Indiana. And, uh, um, um, excuse me, sorry. One of the best football teams in, in recent Indiana history. And, and uh, they're going to get tested tonight against Reese Taylor, who's the, a shoe in the win, Mr. Football. He's a, a true dual threat, dynamic guy. Yeah, T, uh, Steve has a couple of young kids as well, so I, I know what he's going on, going through as far as it's usually what I deal with on, on well, I don't know if I deal with, you know, I, sometimes I'm holding Lucy on my call on Friday mornings uh-huh. too when I'm when I'm talking to John and JT giving my predictions. So. so as she gets a little older, we might run into some of those issues and stuff too. Yeah, but I mean, by then, she's probably going to be giving her own opinion and, 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 and figuring out and giving her prediction on what Notre Dame's going to do, so um, <laughs> that's that's certainly one of the um, one of the fun aspects of absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I was uh, well, got bet, him back. Bet, bet, yeah. So 
Steve, you're sorry, Steve. Oh, that's all right. Hey, yeah, so, so, uh, ben, ben, ben yeah, so, yeah, so Penn's playing against the juggernaut and Ben Davis. They've scored at will all year. I was at Penn semi-state win over Carmel. The defense was fantastic. And Paul Moala on the back end keeps a lot of points off the board. Carmel had some opportunities in that ball game to hit some big plays and some, some plays that went for 15, 20 yards. Uh, against another team that doesn't have Paul Moala back there, goes for 60 or 70 in a touchdown. So, uh, Paul's your eraser on the back end. We saw him at Notre Dame Irish Invasion camp this summer where he earned a scholarship offer. He earned it because he showed that he's as athletic as, as, as his peers in this class across the country. He's got terrific speed, change of direction, quickness, and he's a tough physical kid, and he's also really smart. So a good gift for Notre Dame out of local Mishawaka Penn. He's a kid that would have been higher, much more highly recruited had he, been, had he been somewhere else where there's more talent around him. It's not easy to recruit the South Bend area. It's a four-hour round trip from any major city. So is it worth it for a, a school to just drive to South Bend for one guy when they can see 10 potential guys in Chicago? Well, St- Steve, you might have to give a shout-out to the Riley Wildcats this year, too. You can't be yeah, selling, man, can't be selling them short, can you? <laughs> had their first win in season in quite some time. Uh, Notre Dame grad leading the way there for the Irish. Notre Dame grad leading the way for all South Bend teams right now, aren't they? Yeah, Washington, Adams, yeah, Clay as well. We're with 24-7 yeah. Sports, uh, Steve Wolfong, recruiting expert. Steve, anybody that's a junior or senior right now, who do you think, or we got any feelings on who really exceeded your expectations when you first looked at them You know, back when they were coming out of high school? In this Notre Dame class right now? Yes. Or on the Notre Dame team? Yeah, on the team right now as a junior or senior. Yeah. Um, man, that's a loaded question. You know, I think, <laughs> uh, you know, a young man that I think is playing a lot better than, than I had anticipated when I uh, when I had scouted him was Tony Jones Jr. I knew he could be an every down running back for the Irish, but he's really shown that he can be the next guy up after uh, after Josh Adams exhausts his eligibility. And as I look over the two deep, um, you know, I think we expected uh, Quentin Nelson to be really good. I don't know if we, we – we had Mike McGlinchey as a four-star, but, you know, if you're a first-rounder, you should have been a five-star. Kevin Stepperson's a young man that was ranked as a three-star recruit that looks like uh, one of Notre Dame's most dynamic guys on the outside. And then uh, on the defensive side of the football, I think that uh, most of these guys were, were ranked pretty high. Uh, Julian Love is a young man that was a three-star recruit that's uh, been Notre Dame's best player in the secondary. Steve, talk to us a little bit about how these lines cross between Stanford, between Notre Dame, um, You know, kind of how both teams go about the process of recruiting and, and why usually they go head-to-head on a few guys each class. Well, they're obviously looking for similar type guys, but for Stanford, it's even much more stringent for them to get young men in the school than Notre Dame. Notre Dame can recruit much more of the top 100 than than, than Stanford can. And uh, for, for Stanford also, you have to fill out like five essays to get admitted in the school there. So <laughs> they, they hit, they hit, they, uh, if Stanford offers and, and that young man's filling out all those essays, chances are they got a good shot to get them. So they really only offer, you know, less than 60 people a year where Notre Dame can cast a wider net. Steve, before we let you go, give us your, uh, give us your thoughts. And uh, if you want to, hey, give us a score prediction for tonight too. 
Oh, man. I, I mean, I like Notre Dame, but I like Notre Dame going into the Miami game, and they just didn't play well. Uh, so I, I think Notre Dame will respond better to the atmosphere. You talk to people that were uh, down there uh, inside Hard Rock Stadium. They said it was as loud a stadium as they've ever been in. Uh, talking to people at Notre Dame and just talking to people I know that attended the football game, uh, it, it was rocking. It, it won't be like that at Stanford. Um, they're just not capable of that kind of juice in their stadium. Notre Dame now tested in a, in a, in a night game on the road. Um, you, you talked about Bryce Love being back for Stanford, and he makes them a completely different football team. But I think Mike Elko uh, has shown that when, when you're one-dimensional, he can, he can do things to, to slow you down. I like Notre Dame tonight. I don't know, uh, I'll say 28-24 Irish on the road. There we go. Steve, thanks so much for taking some time today. Enjoy the time with your family. Thanks, Hopefully we see an Irish win tonight. Thanks for having me on. You're listening to the Game Day Show with Evan Sharpley on your home for Fighting Irish Football, 96 one FM, 960 AM, WSBT. I'm Ross Browner, and I'd like for you to meet some of my friends when we get together on Saturday afternoons and have a little bit of fun. Welcome back to the Game Day Show. I'm your host, Evan Sharpley, on your home for Fighting Irish Football, 96 1 FM, 960 AM, WSBT. We're live from the WSBT studios in Mishawaka right now. We just got done talking with Director of Recruiting from 24 7 Sports, Steve Wiltfong. He had a lot of great nuggets for us. Yeah, yeah he, he did. He, he's so good at that. You know, I was trying to, I was Google something, trying to find out how long he's been doing this. Do you have any idea? Well, he started, uh, he actually started at um, uh, the South Bend Tribune. Oh, did he? Yeah, that was one of his first. I know he's gigs. here local. I wasn't sure. Yeah, that, that was one of his first gigs, okay. and then uh, kind of uh, you know progressively um, jumped around a little bit and went twenty four seven sports. Um, <clears throat> prior to that, was a part of Rivals, I believe, um, and then uh, merged with twenty four seven or twenty four seven sports, but broke off. Okay, that's when he started that. I did some work with him there, um, and then CBS Sports bought twenty four seven sports about six eight months ago, right. and so he's uh, he was doing uh, more with Notre. Dame, the actual team site um, mm-hmm. last year. He's not that he transitioned, but he's spending all of his time now in recruiting and not just Notre Dame recruiting. He covers, I mean, if there's a guy that's getting recruited, Steve knows about that guy. Well, you know, in our next guys, guys, a guy that I think would still like to get out there and be <laughs> recruited right now, a good friend of mine, a good friend of yours now over the years from the show. One of the most positive, happy guys I've been lucky to have been associated with. Ross, how you doing today, buddy? Hey, doing great. This is this Evan? No, this is Tim and Evan right here. Both hey, of us Tim. are here. Hey, hey Ro- Tim, Ro- all right. Ross, hey. good afternoon, man. How are you? Fantastic, guys. How you doing? Wonderful to be with you today. <laughs> Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Fantastic. I mean, just had a wonderful gobble gobble. <laughs> <laughs> we, hey, we've been ta- we've been talking food. We were talking food yesterday at my show too. So we might as well ask you right now. Do you have a favorite Thanksgiving Day food that you eat? Favorite dish? A favorite dish was my is my famous uh, greens. <laughs> All right. My famous greens. Oh yeah, my mom had her famous potato salad, and my brother had his favorite uh, uh, was it corn corn squash. <laughs> so you're in the and kitchen then, cooking too. Oh yeah, we, oh, our brother taught us how to cook. I told her I was going to be a confirmed bachelor, and that didn't turn out. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but she said you are going to learn how to cook, bake, and you're going to be able to how to be self sufficient. And that boy, all the, all the Browner boys can cook. We all we all know all the we all know who the boss is in our families, don't we? They keep oh us, yeah, they keep oh, us yeah. in place. That, hey Ross, we've been having somebody on that's played for Era. Um, 
every game this year is our tribute to era. He was so nice to us on the show here and stuff, too. So we want to kind of get your thoughts. First, I'm just going to throw it out. General thoughts about uh, playing for era, when you got recruited by era, your first impressions. Well, uh, my first impression of era Parsegian was just fabulous, genius. I mean, just uh, just a, a orchestrator of men that can get out there and perform and do their job on the field and just come out victoriously. And you know, that, and that's the way Era was. You know, uh, you know, when I was being recruited in say 1973 uh, to come to Notre Dame. Uh, the first, well, one of my first recruiters was Joe, uh, well, Mike Stock, and then it was Joe Rianto, and then it was Era Parsegian. And I tell you, those three. That duel, and then also uh, Greg Blosh, that really brought me in. And I tell you what, I was with uh, players like Al Samuels, uh, Eric Pinnock, and boy, I tell you what, to get a chance to meet Mike, Mike Townsend, all the guys at that time, uh, I just knew that this was going to be the, the team and the formula that was going to help Ross Browner get to the place he wants to be. And that year uh, was the year that, you know, first time freshmen could play. And I was coming in and looking to be a, a kamikaze guy, and uh, <laughs> on the kickoff team. So I, I'm gonna show him I can I can tackle. <laughs> so moved on from there, and uh, you know our first scrimmage against the varsity, we jammed up the varsity. They didn't make one yard on us, and he said, "This freshman class is fantastic. I got to move some of these guys up on my first team." So Luther Bradley and I got promoted, and six of her. Uh, our other guys, Willie Fry, I think uh, Al Hunter, uh, Danny Knott, uh, Terry Yurick, I think it was Yurick at the time. And um, let me see who else. We had a couple of running backs at that time, too, that got promoted. All of us got promoted to first and second team. And I tell you what, from that point on, I was just so proud to be able to play for Aeropar season that, you know, I, I didn't want to make any mistakes. And when I tried to play around, even in practice, just beating a quarterback on a quarterback throwback. You know about that one, don't you? <laughs> uh, and we are getting ready to play Alabama. And I was saying, well, I want them to throw the ball to the quarterback so I can intercept it and show Coach I can intercept it. So I'm going to lay <laughs> off of this guy. And I was playing around. I, I thought Aaron was looking somewhere else. He said, Runner, what are you doing? I said, uh, uh baiting, baiting the quarterback, though. He said, I don't want no baiting. Go ahead and get on that man. I said, yes, sir. And after that, I'd never played around in practice. <laughs> now, Ross, did that, did that happen to come from the Tower of God or the pulpit, as we've been we've been told over the last couple of weeks? Uh, yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it, what, what was it, what was that like in, in practice, having him up there, knowing that you really couldn't get anything by him? Oh, nothing by him. I mean, offensively or defensively. He knew everybody's position. He knew everybody where everybody's supposed to be and what their supposed to responsibilities were. And he wanted you to do the same while you're on the field. So when he put you out there on that field, he didn't want to be misrepresented. He didn't want to be uh, miscalculated. Whenever we call this play, we're going for it. We're going to make sure it works. And if every, all 11 guys on that field work the same way, we are going to make this successful play. And that's the way... Uh, Eric Parsegian was. He wanted everything to be perfected. And being on that tower, he just kept everything under control. <laughs> this is WSBT's game day on your home for Fighting Irish Football as we share memories of Coach Era in Notre Dame with two-time All-America defensive end Ross Browner. Before I ask you my next question, I got to compliment you on that because most of the players will not tell us they got called 
We asked them, did you get did you get called from the tower? And I they don't all think say, anybody said Nobody yes. said you're the first one admitted to it. So good job, my friend. Hey, hey, uh, I'll let you know. <laughs> hey, a lot of people talk hey. about the differences because you played for both Era and Coach Divine. A lot of people talk about their differences, but were there any similarities uh, between the two in, in the way that they coach or the, the scheme on defense? Well, um, both, both of them are very great coaches because they let their um, coaches, assistant coaches, uh, do, do their thing, do their thing with their men. And then if he had to step in, then you knew it had to be a little bit where he wanted to be perfected. And, um, and all his coaches were perfectionists. So, you know, it was just one of those type of things where everybody got along as a family and we all played together. And I tell you what, that would made that's what made us so successful in all our play that year and going 11 and 0 uh, against all these great teams out there. You know, we played them, and you know we could easily slipped up, but no, everybody did their assignment, everybody did their job, and the responsibility and the way that we were prepared for those games, we were prepared for everything. So it was nothing that they could throw on us that we had not seen. And practice, Ross. Uh, in, in talking with all these guys, um, it's it's been pretty amazing just to, to hear the type of character that, that coach had, but but not just you know what you learned your time there, the then what you applied or you know what you uh, how you change how you changed your own character once you left too. Could you just kind of speak to um, to Coach Parsegian, the man, not just the coach, uh, but the man and how he helped shape you as a person, uh, even even to, to to this day, you know, once football ended. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, airport season was like my second father. And uh, whatever father said, I did. Uh, I did not want to make him mad. I always wanted to make sure that he was happy and, and, and very happy with my play on, on top of that. And for what he did to me and to develop me as a man, you know, he made me a sense of responsibility, a sense of, um, of uh, caring and getting out there and being a team player. And not just be an individualist, but be a team player where everybody is a unit. And becoming a unit, we become successful. And I tell you what, you know, uh, airport season, I, I, I bow to the, my man today because he gave me a lot of love. He showed me how to love. He showed me how to about family. He showed me how to be a man. And he showed me really how to be a player. And I think that is one of the most genuine things that airport season really has given all of us who played for him. Tim and Evan on WSBT's Game Day visiting with our good friend Ross Browner, who was the last fighting Irish to win the Outland Trophy winner. So we have a chance with Quentin Nelson maybe winning the Outland Trophy. So uh, as we close up here, give us uh, your take on Quentin, the offensive line, and the defensive line play this year. Well, he's doing a great job. I mean, I really have watched him, and, you know, he's good offensively and defensively. I, I tell you what, you know, when you're a player and you're offensive or defensive lineman, you have duty. I mean, the, the game starts with you. I mean, if you dominate and uh, take over that line, then you have something there. You have a special, unique player that can really make things happen. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the reason why I played line myself and defense you know, we got to get on the other side of the ball, at least one one yard beyond the ball and make everything happen behind there, and, uh, and then you dominate. So if you can dominate the lineman scrimmage at any point, offensively or defensively, then that person really deserves that award for the Outland Trophy. And uh, I think he's really demonstrated a great job this year. 
Ross, do you think he could block you? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> and you know, that's only because I played against so many great ones. <laughs> I, I gave you a layup there. I already knew the answer what was coming. <laughs> Hey, I would I would have already looked at him on film, checked him out, and made sure that I had had some uh, defenses against him. And I knew that my bull rush and maybe my quick slap, quick slim, and you know, and a, and a real good rip that I do a good job on him. <laughs> let's let's talk let's talk a little bit more about this year's team. Uh, Notre Dame new defensive coordinator, uh, a pretty big turnaround. What have you seen from this Irish defense that has you excited? Well, uh, one thing about it, they're controlling the line of scrimmage. I mean, I really like that. And seeing uh, them penetrate, you know, we were penetrating defense. And uh, that's the only way you can get people off their game. And running game, even the passing game, because you're getting that penetration. And now I see a little bit more uh, penetration. I like to see them play a little bit lower still. But, you know, they're, they're still getting in the backfield, and I like that. Well, Ross, hey, we, we appreciate you taking time to talk with us. It's always a pleasure. We love having you on the show. You have a great afternoon. Well, you too, Evan and Tim. I love you guys, and go Irish. Let's go Irish, Ross. Hey, Thanks a lot. Win, baby. <laughs> on your home for Notre Dame football, 96.1 FM WSBT, this is Game Day with Evan Sharpley. We'll be right back with the Hall of Fame voice of the Fighting Irish, Don Crickey. Irish in blue and gold going left to right on their home field. Here's the shotgun snap to Wimbush. Straight ahead and breaking into open field and on the run is Josh Adams. Josh Adams inside the 30 and the 20 and the 10 and all the way home for yet another super run. That 84 yards. The game day show is also brought to you by Budweiser and United Beverage. Carmelo's at McCree's, Creative Colors International, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and Hearth and Home. You know, I still, you know, I've been listening to Notre Dame football. Let's see, I'm 62. I can't even remember since I was eight or whatever. I still get goosebumps when I hear calls. And, of course, listening to Don all these years, uh, too, I still just even listening to, uh, to that right now. And our good friend, another one, nice enough to join us on a very busy day out from Palo Alto, Don Cricky. Don, how you doing today? Good afternoon, guys. Uh, very good. Weather's good. Everything looks ready. Don, it's Evan Sharpley. Uh, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, set set the scene for us. What's what's the weather like? What's the feel out there? Is there excitement? Um, and, and talk a little bit between uh, this big matchup between Stanford and Notre Dame that kick off at eight o'clock. Well, it's kind of an unusual circumstance surrounding it. And this game, as much as Stanford uh, looks at Notre Dame as a, you know one of their arch rivals, uh, they're really scoreboard watching tonight. This game has no bearing on where Stanford goes in the Pac-12. Now, their season is over in the Pac-12, and they need Washington to beat Washington State tonight, a game that will be going on at the same time. If Washington should win that game, no matter what Stanford does with Notre Dame, Stanford would go to the Pac-12 championship game against Southern California next week. If Washington State should win, Stanford is out of that championship equation, and it will be Washington State against USC. And they've been asking questions about it all week long, you know, the coach, uh, Shaw, keeps saying, you know, we got Notre Dame on our schedule. That takes our full attention. But they're going to be scoreboard watching. I think uh, as far as an overview on the game, I think Notre Dame is very ready to play this game. Brian Kelly, and you'll hear it on WSBT in the pregame show, and talking with Jack Nolan uh, not long ago, he uh, he's very optimistic about the way the team has practiced, about the energy that's back in the practices, about the uh, emotional state of his team. He just feels very good about Notre Dame football right now. And one reason is because they are very healthy. 
Uh, even EQ, Economia St. Brown, he's ready to go. He's ready to start. So they got all their starters. So that is a, a very big, significant development, having him in there. Stanford uh, reportedly is going to start uh, Bryce Love. They let him to win the Heisman Trophy, which I know something about. I'm the longest-standing member of the Heisman Trophy Committee, 44 years. And he certainly is in the running. Although I think Baker Mayfield of Oklahoma might be the leader. Uh, but he's got a bad ankle. He's had it for a month, and he aggravated it last week's win. So we'll see how he is, but they're going to put him in there because they want to win the Heisman, even if they have a Pac-12 championship game coming up next week. Don, I'm interested to get to get a little bit more information on uh, you on the, on the uh, Heisman committee and how that works. What, what is what is your? I, I, you don't have to get into specifics with your ballot, but you know, how, from a from the beginning of the year on, how does how do you kind of keep tabs on everybody, and, and what does that process look like? Well, the, the process, Evan, is this. There are 900 voters, and the uh, country is separated into six sections. I head up the northeast section, so I have 150 voters under me. They're all longstanding voters. Very, no, nobody gives up their vote. Nobody gives up their ballot, really. And uh, so everybody gets one vote. If you're a past Heisman winner, you get one vote. I get one vote. Uh, the head of the Heisman Trophy, Rob Whalen, gets one vote. Uh, the Heisman, we do ask our voters not to divulge which way they're voting, although ESPN gets to somebody, and they make pretty accurate projections before the, the vote is actually announced. So that's basically what it is. It's 900 voters, and the individual with the most points, one, you know, first, second, third, different point totals, wins the Heisman Trophy. Let me uh, pile on to that question, too. Uh, ask you about the antics of B- Baker Mayfield. Does that enter into well, somebody... Decision, final decision, do you think? A good point, Tim. There's no, I, I don't think there's any question that it does enter in. Uh, you know, the people that vote for the Heisman, that are, represent the Heisman, especially the past winners, uh, they like to keep the integrity of the award foremost. And he certainly didn't help himself with whatever went on on the sideline, that demonstration with the Kansas fans, which he apologized for. But it's going to cost him some votes. Now, how many, I don't know. Because we don't know anything until the accounting firm... You know, on this Saturday before the Heisman you know, announces who uh, gives, them the, gives the envelope and says who's won it. This is WSBT's Game Day Show. We're talking with Hall of Fame voice of the Fighting Irish, Don Cricky. Notre Dame has a Heisman candidate in Josh Adams. Been pretty impressive this year. What's your feel on whether or not he'll get invited to New York for the ceremony? I think there's probably a pretty good chance of it. Uh, he, need, he does need a good game tonight. The best way to win the Heisman is, is uh, to simplify the formula, is to be the best player on the best team. Uh, and to have great games on national television. And Notre Dame, nobody's on primetime more than Notre Dame. So if he has one of his big games, he's going to get more votes. You know, he's had what people don't realize, and I told it to Notre Dame, what, what would impress the Heisman voters, and they've made it known, he's missed at least 12 quarters where he's just been held out because Notre Dame had such dominant lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing the Heisman uh, voters don't like, in our experience, is teams that run up the score like some of the uh, Southwest Conference teams and the Elsa, you know, they try to beat somebody 100 to nothing if they can't. It doesn't impress voters. They're beating a high school, and uh, they lose votes because of it, I think. Don, t- let's talk a little bit about, about Notre Dame, the team, the program. Um, <clears throat> what, what would it mean to this team following a 4-8 and eight season to get to that double-digit win, potentially get into a, a New Year's Six, and really, um, you know, hitting the offseason and, and prepping them for 2018 uh, with a full head of steam? Oh, I think it's enormous. I mean, you know, it's a tremendous turnaround. This has been a great season of Notre Dame football. And, you know, people, everybody points to the Miami game. Well, nobody's great every week, and Miami had their game of the last decade against Notre Dame. 
if they played that same game and 35-degree chill factors at Notre Dame, Notre Dame would have won by three or four touchdowns. Everything went Miami's way. Now Miami went in the road yesterday and got beaten by a team that went into the game at 4-7 and seven in Pittsburgh. So it's that kind of a year. I mean, Ohio State, which I think is one of the two top teams in the country, the other being Alabama, uh, they went to Iowa and lost 55-20. to 55-20 to 20 to Iowa. So it's a game that changes a lot. It's a game of emotion, and uh, guys' teams have good days and bad days, but Notre Dame has had a great season. There's no question about it. Tremendous. And the changes they made in the coordinators, in the strength program, uh, I think are really monumental. And I also think Notre Dame's got a team coming back next year that's going to be unbelievably good. I know that Notre Dame did not like the fact that the, you know, the preseason AP poll is taken before anybody plays a game. So if you're not in the top 25, you got a long road to, to go to work your way up. And Notre Dame was not in the top 25. Well, next year they're going to be in the top five in the preseason poll. Uh, they, they've got a, uh, they've got a very good chance. Wimbush is just going to get better. Uh, they've got, I know they're very optimistic about their offensive line. I've talked to Harry Heastand about some of the guys they're developing. Uh, they're probably not going to have another guy like Quentin Nelson for a while. Nobody is. But uh, they're going to be very good next year, Notre Dame. And I think they're very good right now. But I'm particularly impressed with what uh, Brian Kelly had to say. And you'll hear it on the, on the pregame show today about how he feels about his team at this point. Uh, he, he feels very good about this game. About you know, Great respect for Stanford and how good they are. But he thinks Notre Dame is ready to play very well. He said it. Tim Growley, Evan Sharpley from the WSBT Studios, getting an update from Palo Alto from the longtime voice of the Irish, Don Cricky. What do you, you've seen a lot of Stanford games and Notre Dame games out there, some really close ones. Any big memories that stand out to you? I know sometimes there's probably too many in your career, but you've seen a lot of Notre Dame-Stanford games come down to the end. Well, I have. The last time they were here, Notre Dame, you know, took the lead late, and then uh, they came down and kicked a field goal to win it. It had been a tough week for Notre Dame. Notre Dame, you know, in the Shamrock Series, took a home game, and they moved it to Boston College, so they had a had to go on the road, which would have normally been a home game. And, you know, they had a short week coming out here on Thanksgiving weekend. And it came down to one play at the end, and Stanford made the field goal with the help of a penalty that uh, got him closer. So that's the one I most vividly remember. That's the most recent one. But it's always a head knocker. Stanford's very physical. They have a term that they call uh, intellectual brutality. I don't know if I'd be using <laughs> that. It seems to me to be a, a motivator, but they call it the team of intellectual brutality. They, and I know they're always on the cutting edge as far as the strength and conditioning goes, too. And, uh, uh, they, you know, they, they use a lot of the same things that Notre Dame is doing now. But you can expect, you know, a, a hard, um, f- hard-fought physical game, certainly, between, uh, between uh, Notre Dame and Stanford. And Notre Dame kicks off tonight at 8 p.m. Um, a- any, any thoughts, um, final score, Don, uh, just what your gut feel is? I know, you, I know Brian Kelly's very confident. Are you feeling the same way as well? Well, I mean, I really go down. The one way you can measure teams, uh, Notre Dame is the best rushing team that Stanford will have played this year. Their, their statistics are the best. Uh, they played a lot of teams that had very poor rushing uh, numbers for the year. Stanford's allowing almost five yards a rush, their defense is. That's a lot. And uh, I think it could play into Notre Dame's hands if they come out running the ball well. Uh, Notre Dame, is, uh, as Brian Kelly mentioned, is very healthy. And uh, I think the Notre Dame run game will be uh, the difference in this game tonight. I don't think Stanford can hold it down. How about now, what Brand- Bryce Love does, we'll have to see. How about Brandon? What are you seeing? We're seeing some really some ups and downs. Have a lot of fans here in South Bend on the edge of their seats. About ready to jump into the pool some days or whatever. But 
Well, last week's game, it was like two different halves for him. Like, you know what? He couldn't hit anything the first half. Yeah, well, he hit everything you know, uh, a year ago without him at quarterback, they were four and eight. This year with him at quarterback and all the criticism, <laughs> right now they're nine and two and possibly heading to 11 and two. He's thrown 14 touchdowns and four interceptions. That's a very good ratio. He's run for 14 touchdowns, which is far and away a Notre Dame record for a quarterback in a single season. He's averaging just under six yards a carry, 5.9. The guy this year has been a great player because he wins games. And uh, next year he's going to be better. He's going to have more experience. So I think Brandon Wimbush is everybody that saw him in high school thought he was going to be when he got here a tremendous player. Has Notre Dame ever had anybody with those skills before? I mean, Tony Rice has a few more yards. He couldn't, uh, you know, and they did win a national championship with Tony in 88. But Brandon Wimbush for a first-year start is pretty special. Why do you think there's such a big perception or, or divide between a 9-3 and team and a 10-2 and team for Notre Dame? Well, you know, I think when you're looking for where you're going to be positioned when it's all over, obviously, uh, I think the computer is the best way to really assess who's doing what and where they stand because the computer can be fed thousands of pieces of information on every team, things you wouldn't even... And, they, you know, there's no bias in the computer. It spits out where the things are the, are the top teams and... Uh, Computer thinks that Notre Dame is like five or six points better than Stanford, but even playing here. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I think uh, I think you know Notre Dame getting to uh, ten and two, a double digit win season, is tremendous with their schedule and including who they've beaten to get to ten and two. They'll have beaten four ranked teams, two of them on the road. If they should win tonight, Don, thanks so much. Enjoy that weather out there. We'll be listening. All right, gentlemen, good to talk to you, Evan and Tim, and uh, go Irish. Thanks a lot. Go Irish, Don. And you're listening to the Game Day Show with Evan Sharp on your home for Fighting Irish Football, 96.1 FM, 960 AM, WSBT. This is former tight end Robin Weber. My job was to catch footballs. Yours is to catch every Notre Dame game right here on your home for Fighting Irish Football, WSBT. Welcome back to the Game Day Show. I'm your host, Evan Sharpley with State Farm Agent Tim Growl. To ensure everything and everyone that is important to you, give Tim a call at 232-9981. Again, 232-9981. So we are playing between Stanford and Notre Dame for the Legends Trophy. That's right. A I- Dublin Irish. Irish. Oh, okay, yeah. go for it. You know it by memory. And California Redwood. Yeah, what were you telling me off off air one time about how you've decided to go study all these different... Well, yeah, I was... I mean, every Thursday we'd have a personnel test. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd had, I, that was usually my question when I was a freshman mm-hmm. um, and a sophomore when Brady Quinn was a starting quarterback. I obviously wasn't, wasn't playing at the time, so he was getting a question on who they were playing from a personnel standpoint depth chart. And uh, the coaching staff would try to stump me with um, a rivalry trophy question or something from, you know, way back when within the within the media guide. So I'd be studying up on my Notre Dame history and would come across, you know, the different trophies. And this is one of my favorites. I just think it's really cool. It looks really cool. You know, the Irish crystal, you know, within the California Redwood, I think is really Yes, cool. Redwood yeah, base it's, it's and everything. Yeah. Looking at the series and stuff, last week we had on Jim LaFave from the Newt Rockney Society. This series began January 1st, 1925, when the Notre Dame's four horsemen and head coach Newt Rockney faced Stanford's Pop Warner All in right. the 1925 Rose Bowl. Some names right there. <laughs> Notre Dame had a 27-10 victory with their first ever national title. Wow. Yeah, man, there's always some history going on around here. Now, we all know that, you know, the, this rivalry's been going on for 31 years, and but we haven't won out there since 2007. So, and 
You were that could out change there at tonight. that time? That could change tonight. I was, yeah. Yeah. But that could change tonight. Okay. Well, we're going to get you. I have, a, I have, a, I have a, a, a pretty good feeling about tonight. Pretty good. I could amplify. <laughs> I didn't even see any air quotes around the pretty no, good. No. So that's good. Okay. Hey, let me, let's do a little season recap okay. here. We got some minutes left in the game and stuff. So remind me and the audience, where did you have the Irish? I picked them nine and three. Nine and three. Yeah. So a loss tonight would mean that I would be correct. Okay. Um, what did you see during the fall camp? Because you went to a lot of the activities. Did you go down to Culver? I did, yeah. Too? Okay. Yeah. What did you see in the fall camp that made you pessimistic at the time that now you're very optimistic about? Well, Turned the, out better the, than the, I mean, thought. the defense. And, and part of the reason, too, you know, we had seen him in the spring a little bit. We had seen him in the summer and then the fall. It was just hard to really make a prediction. You had new guys doing new things. Mm-hmm. Um, there was excitement there. You knew what, what Mike Elko was bringing. Um, you knew the guys that he was bringing with. You could feel that there was something a little bit different. The, the part that was difficult was the coach speak, number one, and then the players speak, too, because we were hearing the same things a year, the year prior from the players. Yes, it's different, and, and obviously it, it hadn't changed. So there was, a big, there was a big turnaround in understanding which led to the success on the field. And I think having some success early on in the year helped the defense. Sure. You know, if it had started, if the season had started mm. differently where they were giving up yards, the, the mentality, you know, that they brought, it, it meshed really well with the staff that came. And then having that early season success, I think they were able to really... Uh, Going toe-to-toe continue. with Georgia. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that was big. And it, right. it, that was a game I circled, <clears> too. And, and even though it was a loss, mm-hmm. I, you know, it wasn't, they didn't get blown out. They didn't get manhandled. Um, it was very competitive. It was, one point, it was one point. You know, it was very competitive. So I think that that really, for me, the, the whole defense. And I had a lot of question marks in certain areas. Safety's being secondary, one of the, right. yeah, secondary. Um, but the way the, really the way the front seven has played, too, has helped the secondaries play as well. I think everybody kind of thought it was a year away. Yeah, that's kind of the talk yeah. next year. Well, I mean, it, and, and anytime you implement a new scheme, it, I mean, it takes, it does, it takes time. I didn't, I knew that there were going to be improvements. I don't think I expected this type because right. it was a pretty big turnaround, especially the way they played for what eight games yes. before before there were maybe some. And part of Pick that ups. too was yeah. part of that too was how you know the offense giving some short fields that never oh, helps. Absolutely, you know, <laughs> sure, you're on the field all the time. So let's do the converse of that. So what were you? pessimistic about in the or optimistic about in the fall and now has turned pessimistic well i think i think um and, and i'm gonna say i'm gonna say this um i'm not gonna throw brandon winbush under the bus very i mean he was a guy i had really high expectations for i've worked with him before over at sharply training um and, and part of that part of i think why fans are i don't know if the right word is disappointed is expectations were so high um, but if you look at his stats, you look at what he's done, the completion percentage you want up, no doubt. Sure. Okay. But what he's done with his feet, um, his competitiveness, and then making some big throws in some key situations has been, has been great to see. I think there should be even more excitement because I know the ceiling that that kid has mm-hmm. as a passer, and I've said it all year. I was, it was just like, and I, and I feel like it's been both ends. It's been both from the quarterback perspective and the receivers too. You have a guy run a great route, you overthrow him. Then three plays, plays later, it's a great throw, and you get a drop. <laughs> we've, had, we've had a lot of drop it, passes and it's, this year. And it's been, it's, that's been, if there's been something that's been consistent within the past game, it's been inconsistency. You got it. <laughs> you got it. Let's um, get your case of the game today. All right. So, uh, so the, the, the number one key for me is about finishing strong. 
you've put together a great string of games uh, following a four and eight season. So you've got an opportunity to get to ten wins. That's going to be that's that's huge. You could possibly play in a New Year's Six bowl game, um, and I think you know if if they are able to beat Stanford and then they win the bowl game. 2018 is there's going to be a lot of buzz around 2018. Absolutely, a lot of buzz, a lot of guys coming back. So <clears throat> finish the season strong. Brian Kelly talks a lot about you know dating back to January when all of these changes occurred. He said that a lot. It's an opportunity right now to put an exclamation point on those changes, to put an exclamation point on the change in culture, um, and and really take a big step forward for this program in being consistent. And Steve Wilt Funk said it. This is a program that has the has the potential and has the talent to win 10 games every year. Where it's been right now has been eight or nine. So we'll see what happens in 2018. So this is a this is a big part of that. Um, turnovers on defense, I think, you know, shutting Bryce Love down is obviously a, a huge thing. If they can make them one-dimensional, potentially force a turnover, um, an interception through the air, I think is going to be important. And then offensively, smash mouth, run the football, and then have some play action passes down the field, stretch it vertically, vertically if you can. And they're probably going to put Nine people on the line again. Challenge I would do that to too. Absolutely. But I've got Notre Dame 34-27. 34-27. A few well, more points than normal. All right. All right. Well, I like that. Well, it's hard to believe it's the end of another regular season. Evan and I want to thank all of you for listening out there each week and coming out to see us at the Ivy Courts for our home games. We really enjoy bringing you the stories, the memories, and setting the atmosphere and getting a take on your Irish for each game with our great guests. A big thank you to Matt Embry, our studio producer, for keeping the show going each week. We hope to be on the air one more time this season for a bowl game. So stay tuned to WSBT in December for the bowl game announcements and to hear our showtime. Here comes more Fighting Irish football coverage. Right after the news, it's Darren, Sean, and Eric with everything you need to know about today's matchup of the Cardinals versus the Irish on Budweiser's Game Day Sports Beat. Immediately following them, it's the official Notre Dame pregame show. Then it's the kickoff at just after 8 p.m. with Don Crickey, Alan Pinkett on the IMG Network. Of course, after the game and into the wee hours of the morning is the official Notre Dame postgame show with Darren Pritchett and Reggie Brooks. All this on your home for Fighting Irish Football. 96.1 FM WSBT. For Evan Sharpley, this is Tim Growl. Go Irish! Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 